All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Hollywood Video Guys podcast. Uh, we're glad to have you all back with us today. How's everybody doing? First, we're going to introduce our co-host, Don. Hey. Hi, everybody. Randy. What's up, guys? How's, uh, how's it going today, guys? I'm pretty fantastic, Michael. I had a, quite an exciting day already. I took care of some, some errands, watched some movies, nice. and now I'm here with you all talking more about movies. Nice. Any, uh, any good movies you guys seen? I watched uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Love it. Freaking excellent. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, it's on the list. It's incredible. It's a 10 out of 10 action for me, and you know me, I'm a stickler for ratings a lot. Yeah. I usually give them seven thumbs up. (laughs) How about you, Randy? Seen anything good lately? Uh, No, because I was watching some of the Friday the 13th franchise. Oh, which ones do you see? I watched Part 4 because that's apparently supposed to be the best. Uh, It's got Corey Feldman in it. It's got Crispin Glover, who is very Crispin Glover-like. Yeah. And... It was okay. I guess it's probably the best of those original movies. And then I, the other night I watched, last night, I watched the the remake that a lot of Friday the 13th fans hate. And I don't understand why. It's probably the best acted of all of them. It just feels a little bit, obviously it feels more modern because it's from 2009. And there is a little less camp, which is probably why it's so hated by the fan yeah. base. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's I, all right, though. I I don't like Friday the Thirteenth movies in general. They're just not very good. Uh, Jason Takes Manhattan is probably my favorite because it's so silly and stupid. Jason rides a boat. Yeah, yeah, because it's really just him on a boat, uh, like for most of the movie, because he didn't have enough budget to actually go to Manhattan. Um, anyway, yeah, I get you. Well, I've been I went and saw The Creator uh, two weeks ago, and that movie rocked. You guys should definitely go see it. Um, yeah, check it out. Gar- is it? Gareth Emery? Who's the director? Uh, I think his name's Gareth Emery. And he directed Rogue One. Um, and so it's really cool. It's like a, it, the coolest thing about it, it's so refreshing, is that it's like an, an original, a semi original, a, a story that's been done before, but definitely not in this way. Pretty original story, pretty original like cast, and, and um, overall, like the writing is pretty original. It's uh, was really kind of refreshing compared to just nonstop Marvel movies, nonstop you know retellings of sci-fi movies we've already seen. So it was good to see a movie that was finally unique in some ways, and that the graphics are great uh, for the budget that it had. It only had like a fifty million dollar budget or something like that, which sounds like a lot, but when it, you know put it up against like a Marvel movie, um, it's not that much, and it looked better than any Marvel movie I've seen graphically in a long time. It's basically like reverse Terminator 2, so that's a pretty solid sell. If you like Terminator 2, you definitely like this movie. You did sell me on it, but it's not out on digital for, I think, a few more weeks. Darn, yeah. Also, I think uh, I think the, the main actor, his name is Michael Washington. Yeah, uh, Denzel Washington's son. Michael, that... Michael David Washington. Oh, so he's he's fantastic. I love him in pretty much everything he does, because yeah. he did uh, Black Klansman, which was a great movie. Yep. So when you told me about the movie and I saw he was in it, I was really instantly interested, in, t- interested and, in it. And he's great in it, too. And, you know, like I said, he plays the... Kyle Reese, uh, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator Two role, so he's got a lot of um, a lot of lot of scenery to chew in it too. But he does a really good job, and it's overall a great movie. Definitely check it out. I'd definitely say. Um, well, going from there, now that we've gone and talked about our movies, we actually have a guest uh, customer with us today. This guest customer is all near and dear to our hearts. Is the brother of Don, and we'll just call you Bob because that's what we call you and Bob welcome to the show thank you for coming today coming into the store oh thank you I think anything other than Bob would be really weird yeah yeah yeah, yeah. To, to be clear to anyone listening out there <clears throat> his name is actually Mike but we, we've called him Bob for 
I don't know, 20 something years at this point, just to, just to lay down the context. I knew him as Bob before I knew him as Mike. Is yeah. how long I've yeah. known him. As Bob. And, and it's a good thing because I don't know if I can handle more mics in my life. Yeah. Well, I think that's really. I think that's why I started calling him Bob because I knew too many mics and mats. Yeah, yeah. makes it easier on Bob. us and easier on you, the listener. Yep. Well, thank you for coming in and reviewing some movies with us. Um, what so like we when we get guests in here, we like to talk to them about like their video store experience first like overall what do you remember about going to like the video store uh when they were still around and like what do you remember if you do remember anything about hollywood video in general well i remember <clears throat> being taken to the video store often by my parents and uh picking out all the horror movies even as a three-year-old <laughs> um which uh delighted the employees because they thought it was just the f- most funniest natural unnatural thing they'd seen so like, he's getting hellraiser yeah, <laughs> yeah jason goes to hell yeah yeah, and uh, you know, periodically some of them would suggest uh, the children's movies, and I'd be like, "No, nah, I'm, I'm taking Chucky." <laughs> and then my parents are fine with it, so I'm pretty sure they were just like, "These parents are crazy." Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was just going there all the time, picking out the horror movies, and uh, just yeah, doing that until became old enough to where I could go by myself. And I guess at that point they kind of went out of business. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then specifically for Hollywood Video, I would tag along, and I would just browse through the aisles for like i think an hour and a half because you were talking to co-workers and i was too shy to just go up there anyway and just be like hey, i'm done like <laughs> so like just it's it it probably about 10 minutes of oh i gotta find something and like an hour and 20 of uh yeah i'm not gonna bother them i'm just gonna keep walking around <laughs> yeah we were just hanging out this time that's what we did like yeah. mike would be off and then <laughs> you wait for his ride or something yeah you might discover a gem in that time you know you rush through a 10 minutes but hey an hour and a half you really find something in there might be right? a few gems yeah, yeah. might like, talk about a few gems yeah i'm like holy crap evil ed like, yeah. <laughs> i gotta watch this one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like uh, like transmorphers <laughs> yeah so it's uh yeah so a lot of fond memories at the at the video store and it wasn't just like how streaming is now, where you just have so much crap you can watch instantly. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure you pick something you really wanted. Otherwise, you're going to take it home, and it's a process to take it back, even when it was free. Yep. Um, so those are my memories, uh, just picking out probably some of my most favorite movies from the video store and just discovering so many of those crappy movies that I enjoy. Uh, so many of them yeah so yeah, exactly. crappy is also a very relative term it could be uh, it could be some gems we don't know about yeah i want to clarify they're not crappy they're all good yeah just, but so. also like i think that that is what makes like a video store kid like we were unique is that you did try and dive a little bit you didn't just go for the new release wall you'd go and try and find the gems the things that nobody was talking about or maybe you heard it about it from someone else and you wanted to check it out yourself or you didn't know they existed. Yeah. And you saw the box art and you're like, holy crap, this has to be fantastic. Yeah. You know, that actually segues really well into our uh, topic today. Yeah. Uh, because the box art for one of these films was always on display at Hollywood Video. And I would always draw to it. And it was um, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah, we had that in the action section in uh, Hollywood Video like all the time. And I distinctly remember seeing the cover where it's like a Yakuza guy kind of covered in like Yakuza tattoos. And then you had the two main characters with like bullets around them, I think. Sorry. Are bullets they, around them. Well, did Delph Grunlunger, was he doing like a, a karate? Oh, yeah. He was doing like a karate. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. And I always remember, like, I never watched it, never watched it when we were home, but I distinctly remember that box art. I distinctly remember the box art. Yeah. That, I think, well, to go back on your, you know, your movie experience or your video experience, like, that was the thing is like you're fighting for visuals, right? Like, yeah. It, that's what Kachurai was showing on Tokyo. It's the same for me. Yeah. And I remember watching that. I think 
for us, we took a lot of liberties with Sir Muzi Wash because we'd watch them on our lunch breaks on VHS. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like, so it's it would like, take us a week to watch an hour and a half yeah, movie. Yeah. But we're like, well, we're at work. It, it can't be that bad to watch this. Yep. And Shonen Lo Tokyo was one of them. Yeah. So uh, we started thinking about like what other movies were great in that 1991 era. And so uh, Bob's bringing three to the table for us that he thought might be good for that 1991 era. So what were the three movies that we're going to be talking about today, Bob? Uh, well, all classics, of course. First, it's uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, Gem, uh, second only to Mr. Nanny, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> Santa with muscles. It's, uh, Suburban Commando. Uh, damn, Santa with muscles. That's an, uh, well, that's another day, maybe. <laughs> That's the holiday episode. That's the holiday episode. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Suburban Commando. Uh, we have the uh, another Van Damme classic, Double Impact. And then we also have uh, my favorite out of these three is Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah. And we're, so we're going to kind of like look at all three. We're going to dissect each one. We're going to decide which one we think as a group is the best or which one we recommend. And then you as the customers as well can decide on your own what you think is the best uh, of these three and kind of let us know. Um, so we're going to go in order of release. This is the easiest way to do that, and it's also the order that would be counterclockwise, but clockwise uh, in some world, I would imagine. So uh, we're going to go in uh, order of release, and so what that means is that the first movie up is Double Impact. Jean-Claude Van Damme. He always makes an impact. Now, get ready for Double Impact. There's two of them. Think about it. Van Damme times two. He looks exactly like you. Me? Twin brothers reunited on a mission. Watch my back. To avenge their parents' death. So, Double Impact, John claude Van Damme's kind of, I would say his, not his coming out movie, but this is the one where he kind of put a lot of himself into it. Maybe gonna, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read you guys the story synopsis, and this is taken directly from the back of the Double Impact VHS. Um, and I think it just, the reason why I picked it is because I think it sums up the movie so well. I couldn't, I couldn't do it better than this. So, I'm going to read it to you guys. John claude Van Damme, Street Fighter. One of the world's hottest action-adventure stars triumphs once again in an explosive dual role that packs twice the excitement and double the Van damage. Chad, Jean-Claude Van Damme, a charming, a charming smooth-talking karate instructor from Los Angeles, is mysteriously urged to fly to China by the man who raised him like a son, Frank Avery. There he meets Alex, Jean-Claude Van Damme, a streetwise gunslinging smuggler raised on the back streets of Hong Kong. Chad and Alex discover that they are, in fact, twins separated when their parents were brutally murdered 25 years ago. In a violently explosive showdown, the twins seek their revenge. So I think that sums up the movie like almost better than you could ever imagine. So this movie was directed by Sheldon Ledich. He wrote Bloodsport, and he also wrote Rainbow Three. This was his direct terror... No, I'll take it back. His directorial debut was... Lionheart, which came out the same year as this movie in January of, of 91, um, which w- made a lot of money for it was another John Glaude Van Damme movie, made a lot of money. So based off of that one, they also gave him this double impact. I think he also helped write double impact, too. Um, so he so he wrote Bloodsport, which is I, I think we all agree Van Damme's best movie. 
Uh, well, objectively, or, perhaps. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, For me... What do you think? What is it? What's your favorite? My personal favorite has to be Street Fighter. Real quick. Okay. Oh, this... this it's Bloodsport. Yeah. And Bloodsport's I think, the best movie. It, I think, it is, okay, it is Bloodsport. Uh, personal favorite is Street Fighter. Yeah, let's, uh, let, me, let me clarify that because that's true. So Bloodsport is his his best movie, I guess, and maybe not your favorite. Is that the best yeah. way to put it? Okay. Um, but so he wrote Bloodsport and he wrote Rambo 3. Um, so they kind of gave him the reins on these next ones to, to direct and this is his directing debut or second directing debut. So the cast of characters for this one is Jean-Claude Van Damme plays dual, dual roles in this movie. He plays Alex and Chad Wagner. Really uh, showing off that range. Yeah, and well, and one of the production notes for this was that when the movie came to John Claude, he really wanted to do it because he felt like he was going to have to bridge out of action movies soon and start taking more dramatic roles. And he felt by doing this movie and showing his range, playing two distinctly different characters, he would be able to show producers that he can play more dramatic roles. I don't know if that actually happened, but but uh, that was his thinking behind this so he plays the dual role of alex and chad jeffrey lewis plays frank avery he's kind of a big character actor you see him in a lot of stuff uh alana shaw plays danielle wilde alan scarf plays nigel griffith philip chan is raymond zhang bolo Jung, reprising uh not reprising his role but coming back again from Bloodsport, uh is plays moon and then the only other one that i wanted to highlight was karina everson she was kind of like the the biggest next to arnold schwarzenegger the the biggest like bodybuilder celebrity at that time. And she played the character Kara and she was kind of like the heavy for the boss in that movie movie was had a budget of $15 million. It made $30 million at the box office. So it, it was a, it was a hit by, you know, standards of that time. And it, it kind of, this was the fifth or fourth or fifth movie that Van Damme had done that, uh, was a, a success at the box office. So he's just cranking out hit after hit. Even if you don't really like them, you can't deny that his movies make a lot of money. Absolutely. No, this is probably, you know, they coined a verb. Van or what Van Damage. I mean, for yeah, God's sake. Van like, Damage. Yeah, Van Damage. That's that tells you that this was like the, the early 90s were kind of when a lot of the muscle action movie guys were kind of, you know, they're, they're becoming less popular. But yeah. Van Damme was hitting his stride before he kind of hit another valley in the mid-90s. Yeah, he was kind of, of like the, the straight action, other than maybe Arnold. He, he kept going up until the mid-90s. Like 95, 96 is kind of when he, he peaked. Yeah. But all of the 90s, he was consistent. He did this. You know, he had obviously sudden death had been at the end, towards the end of the 90s. But he had uh, what, Universal Soldier was great and Time Cop. And so he was still making, The Quest was even then there, like making movies that not only were pretty good, but were making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he made a lot of money. Um, so overall, what did you guys, before I get into my favorite scenes and favorite lines, what did you guys think of the movie Double Impact? So we're going to start with our guest customer then, and we'll ask you, what, Bob, what did you think of Double Impact? Uh, in my opinion, there's there is no bad Van Damme movie, um, but I hadn't seen this one surprisingly. It's <laughs> so seen, silly. seen everything. Um, but I, when I started it, the like I said, the first fifteen minutes of it, I was like, this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Why is that? Because yeah. it, it opened. Uh, well, it, I forgot. It opened with. Um, like it's set up like the whole thing first, I think, right? With, well, like, it it opens with one of the more violent scenes. Yeah, that like, I did not expect at all. Like they shotgun blast the mom in the face, and then you like you think that they're not going to show it, and then they show it, and yeah. I was like, "Jeez, please." Yeah, I didn't expect any of that either. So it opened with that, and I'm like, "Holy crap, this is this is really violent." Yeah, like, <laughs> this it's super violent. I was like, and like the makeup for it was like to me, I was like, "This is like RoboCop level like yeah. violent." <laughs> yeah. So instantly, I was like, well, "This is going to be really good." Yeah. And then they. 
followed that up with Van Dam as the uh, karate fitness instructor. Yeah. And he's just like, he's just in there, it's like flexing his ass. In a and full, like, like, leotard. Yeah. <laughs> his butt is in the camera. Yeah. It's, and it's yeah. right up to it. Flexing in the camera. His toned butt. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was like, I think this is, is this a comedy? Because this is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, or at least, like, is it, like, going to be funny? But yeah, so I was like, this is going to be great. Like, I can watch two hours of this character just nonstop. This is amazing and this is going to be fantastic. (laughs) Um, But like, as it went a little deeper in, it it started getting a little like, uh, a little redundant. I was like, ah, all right. I mean, this is is okay. So, like, I watched it all the way through and carried all the way through. I liked, you know, I liked that there's two Van Dams. That's great. And they couldn't be like further from each other as far as characters go. But, like, I know it's, you know, what was it? It was 91, so... Yeah. At the time, you could blatantly tell. It's like, oh, the, yeah, that's... that's oh, not the parts the, where they're together? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. That's that's not different people there. That's no. just, like, they recorded Van Damme twice and yeah, just, yeah. like, shoved them together. Parent trap, for yeah. sure. Yeah. This feels like, uh, like, Sunsault Back to the Future 2, you know, the Biff scene. Yeah, And, yeah, like, yeah. let's make a whole movie with Van Damme in it. Yeah. There's two Van Dams. Yeah, but that's, uh, yeah, what it, but for me, what it just boils down to is, like, yeah, I might not have... You know, had the most fun with it as far as Van Damme movies go. But the thing with Van Damme movies is that he is just he's so damn entertaining. Yeah. And just anything he's doing, like whether or not at this point in his career he was, you know, the best actor or anything, it's just his presence just made the whole movie for me. I'm like, I could just watch that. He's in it and he's funny. And like when he's doing this or like how with the, you know, the one brother was just chomping on a cigar. Yeah. The every whole movie. single scene. Yeah. He always had them. And yeah. I was like, damn, okay. Like I guess he's just always got a cigar. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the uncle, the older guy, uh, Jeffrey Lewis, you know, the beginning scene, I was like, this is like, this guy's just a straight badass. Like, yeah, he, he was. He, had, like, he was like shooting off revolvers at him yeah, and like, like grabbing he, babies. <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, he was going to come in and like the way they just said it was like, yeah, he's, he's going to clear all of them out yeah. by himself. So yeah. that was cool. So it was it was cool. And Van Damme is Van Damme. So it was yeah. like, okay, he's just entertaining because he's just fun to watch. Yeah. But I mean, again, like I said, I I hadn't seen it before, so I didn't know what to expect. So with that opening scene, I was like, yeah, it's just going to be him. Like, I watched that nonstop. So <laughs> I think I was just disappointed that it is, wasn't that yeah. like, for the rest it, of the it movie. It didn't carry the momentum you thought it was would it? from the beginning? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've been flexing his ass nonstop. Anything you guys want to add to that? I think that was pretty succinct. What do you guys want to add? What? Well, Go ahead. Sorry. Right. Yeah, I haven't Ready. spoken in a little while, so... Oh, I, I, Bob, why couldn't you have brought Lionheart up to our counter? Another 1991 Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Technically, it was released in 1990. Oh, was it? Yeah, oh. uh, but it was released in America in 1991. Well, yeah. that's what really matters. I mean, America first, right? Yeah. Well, I can actually answer that properly. Is this, you see two Van Dams on a cover, you're going to go with that one instead. Double the yeah. Van Damage, yeah. Randy. Yeah. For the same <laughs> price. Yeah. For the same price. So, yeah. so this movie, I actually watched it uh, several months back when I went on a little Van Damathon myself. And then watched it again recently for this episode. And both times, just immediately, this movie loses me. Like, I'm just so confused. What is going on? You can't tell them apart? (laughs) Two Van Dams? You rub your eyes? I'm seeing a devil. Four Van Dams. Four Van Dams. Well, one was wearing silk underwear. I mean, it's easy to tell. Well, no, I, I just mean like the whole setup. Like, why why were these parents murdered? I understand they got in with like apparently someone got in with the loan shark, but it's like, yeah, were they supposed to profit off of this bridge that they built I or think this so. tunnel? Yeah, I think like, that's what the whole point was, was. This all about a tunnel. Yeah, it was like the mean. Like, and they they say like he's he's got to go back and reclaim his birthright. Is his birthright a freaking tunnel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did, 
I'm sorry. Did they address at any point in the movie how they both had the same exact accent? Yes, yes, they did in the very beginning because, okay, so the first boy gets taken, but I mean, okay, not really, but kind of. So the first boy, um, the one, is, I think it's the the one who's chewing the cigar. Uh, I think that's Chad. That's Chad. Chad. Yeah. So Chad, he gets taken by the nurse or whatever, the maid to a French convent in Hong Kong, and he gets okay. raised there. At this French convent, so that's why he speaks French. I don't. Oh, the other and then one was raised. The other one was France. raised in France by uh, Avery, by the the main. Yeah, that the like his uncle, but, which uh, doesn't have a French yeah. accent. So that's why they both have French. Even though, even though they even say that <laughs> Alex had spent more time in America at that point too, and that he's been in America forever. But they did say he like he raised him in France. So how terribly convenient. Yeah, French convent, France. That's how it was. <laughs> I know the one French convent in all of Hong Kong just have. <laughs> <laughs> where he goes. So I'll, I'm going to give you guys some some scenes from this that I that stood out for me. So one of them we already talked about was the ridiculous uh, butt cheek scene in like the very beginning. I thought that the action scenes were really good. I, one of the things that I really liked about this movie was usually when you see Jean Claude Van Damme, he's doing kicks and flips and all his other stuff. And so that I liked the difference between the two characters where you had. Alex, who was kind of the karate guy, and he was doing all the karate moves. And then Chad was more of like that traditional Rambo style action hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger style, where he's just going to take guns out and blast everybody with guns. Yeah, I think he got them flipped. Oh, was it, oh, was yeah. it Alex? Was yeah. Alex the. Alex oh, you're is right. The cigar guy. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Yes. Alex Chad. The jerk? Sorry, yeah, guys. Yeah. He is. My bad. Uh, let me switch that. Yeah. So Chad was the one who had the karate experience, and Alex was the one with the guns. And I like that. I like that they had, that was one thing that you could tell, okay, this is Alex and this is Chad. I can tell. There was one scene where they both have the same haircut because Alex and Chad are trying to sneak into like a restaurant to, you know, deliver a bomb for they're some reason. To, they're trying to yeah. purposely fool them at this point. Yeah. And yeah. so like that, it was really difficult to kind of make them out until you saw like, okay, he's doing the flips and kicks and he's doing the gun. I, I got that one. So uh, though, the action scenes are really good, but so here's some of my favorite scenes that we'll talk about specifically. So... Other than the very beginning, which is insanely violent, and the second part where we had John Claude's butt, um, there's also uh, I would say Randy's favorite '80s action heroine in this movie, probably uh, in um, <laughs> Alana Shaw. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, so so the first thing that I want to talk about is actually when they first meet uh, Alex and Chad. My favorite part about it is that that Alex punches Chad out. Chad punches Alex out. Uh, uh, no, Alex punches Chad, Chad out. Yeah. yeah, and my the part that I love about this is when they come back and he's like trying to convince these two guys that they're twin brothers, and he's like, "Look at him, just look at him." Will you just look at him? And he's like, "I don't see it." And like, <laughs> like they're just so, they're the same person. So obviously, they look exactly alike. The, on, the only difference that they tried to make to differentiate them is. Um, Alex has these slick back hair, like yeah. oiled grease slick back hair. Yeah, and Chad is. And Chad has like the, you know, it's, it, it's like not teased, but it's like, you know, it's like a flat top. Kind almost. of the typical Van Damme haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how you could tell the difference between the two. And aside from that, this guy acts like he, he can't, can't tell any resemblance <laughs> yeah, between at them. Yeah, And um, they has like one of the best lines in the movies when he says, why don't you take your fancy clothes and your black silk underwear and go back to Disneyland? <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. I was like, what a ridiculous line. Alex has had a very rough life and he's extremely cynical and he finds out his brothers basically lived you know, the life of Riley over there in Los Angeles and Disneyland. Yeah. So other than that, there's 
two other things I want to highlight before we move on from this movie. The first one is I love the fact that there is a rematch between Bolo and uh, JCVD. So Bolo Jung is the uh, main bad guy in Bloodsport. And that's so and he's so cool in Bloodsport. And he kind of plays. I don't know if he's he's not the main. He's like the main henchman, I guess you would say, for this movie. He's kind of he's I not. Would, well, him and Kara, because Kara's like the. Yeah. She's the like female. the last boss almost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, and he's like, I don't know, an abobo kind of like yeah, you were doing double dragon turns. He's got a scar turns. now, which is funny, like the, yeah. the show that he's, he's grizzled and everything. I, I think his eye is, is yeah. whitened. And he's still like, uh, he got shot. He didn't get shot, but he got, um, somebody, uh, slashed at. hit, no, oh yeah, that's right. In the eye during that escape scene. Mm-hmm. But I love him because he's basically built like a sofa with arms. Like he's just gigantic, huge muscled out dude. And it's cool to see kind of the rematch from Bloodsport that I always wanted. And so that was nice to see. I love I love that fight scene. And then the last thing we got to talk about is the infamous sex scene. Well, before you get too far, like uh, that fight scene felt more like a level of Donkey Kong at times. Oh, when he just kept throwing yes, barrels. Yes, that, that was his primary move was pick up a, a barrel, slowly hold it over his head. Van Damme looking helplessly at what he could possibly well, do. And what made it worse is Van Damme tries to high kick one of the barrels out. And this is like yeah. a, one of those 50-gallon drums. I it's guess. a giant right? barrel heavy. heavy. So he like... High kicks it out of the air and like it, it, it strains his hamstring and he just buckles backwards and falls to the ground. It's yeah. like you could just move out of the way. Like, why'd you high kick this thing because, out of the way? Because he's a real life 2D fighter. Yeah. Guess, there is yeah. no moving side to side. I, I also love uh, in that same scene where before Bolo even does that, one of his like tinier henchmen goes after JCVD and John Claude just beats him up and then Bolo kills him. <laughs> like, just snaps his neck. I'm like, gosh, I would not want to work for this oh, guy. No kidding. Uh, but there, there was a, another fight scene that doesn't get much attention. Also, it probably was a little too short, but the, when he fights that guy with the spurs, oh yeah, the spurs, that and they have it throat. in that like blue lighting. Yeah, it's pretty it's sweet. Like, all you can hear is like the whisk of the the spurs with the kicks and all that. And I thought it was really cool, really well mm-hmm. shot, and it just unfortunately it was over too quick. Yeah, that guy, um, I I can't remember what his name is, but he's actually another like famous martial artist at that time too. One of the more famous martial artists. He was, uh, I think his name was. Nah, I can't remember, but uh, I don't want to like say it without knowing for sure. But he was another famous martial artist. That's how he was on that movie was because of his martial arts fame in the eighties. Um, okay, so the last scene, the last scene we'll talk about is the the probably the most infamous infamous scene from this movie. There is a pretty ridiculous sex scene in this movie. Now, John Claude Van Damme specifically put this in, like had this added <laughs> because he wanted to appeal to female audience members who were going to go to this movie. Because remember, this is his big breakout role, right? This is the one where he's going to show his acting chops, and he wanted to have women and men in this movie uh, to come to the movie. So he uh, filmed this sex scene because he thought, well, if we have a beautiful sex scene with like a beautiful woman, and it's all artistically done, that everybody will want to see it. And it just, it's so ridiculous. And dumb that you almost like are like, okay, can we just fast forward to like what's going to happen here? Because this is so dumb. So the way this scene set up is that Alex is drinking the whole time uh, while, he, while Chad is gone go, and he's going to go pick up Alex's girlfriend. While he's gone, Alex, while he's drinking, is just thinking that Chad uh, must be going there because they're having an affair. And he starts imagining this affair in his mind. It doesn't actually happen. So they cut to... This 
alleged like this this uh, assumed affair that's going on in this ridiculous sex scene and like flowery uh, fabric is flowing all over the place and they're just like the most gratuitous sex scene but then you cut to like reality and they're just kind of standing on a boat <laughs> like just waiting for the boat to get to shore <laughs> and then it cuts back just to just started Alex. daydreaming is all it was yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, especially because he only went back to get her because she literally got abducted and yeah she was calling and he was trying to find both his brother and uncle or whoever he is for help but they were nowhere to be found yeah Chad had to go and, and rescue her because they, yeah, because uh, nobody else was there. And literally nothing is happening between them. They didn't even high five each other or anything. They're just standing next to each other on a boat going back to their hideout. And the whole time, Alex is imagining this gratuitous sex scene that's so ridiculous. And uh, it's it just like the most insane thing that I've ever seen. I was, I was like, I, I gotta, I almost wanna turn this off. It's like, this is so stupid. <laughs> there was a, uh... I could raise that. There was a very, very brief moment. It was during the the fight between was it was it Alex or was it Chad? I don't know. When they were fighting the um the the lady the the bodybuilder girl. Oh yeah. And right. there's just Cara. a quick moment, like you know, they're they're trading blows, and she reaches out and she grabs him in the groin, and yeah, and she has this moment of like her eyes going wide, looking at him like really like yeah. it, it was just the most absurd little single shot in that whole movie for me i can safely say that no women were consulted in the writing of this film <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad it is many feelings were harmed in the making of this film yeah for real and uh absolutely ridiculous Kara even kind of has a weird almost like a, she almost sexually assaults the other character and it. it's really yeah. odd so yeah but overall Double the divan damage is all you need in this movie, and I'm telling you, it's a high recommend because it's a great story, great actors, great fight scenes. Double the van damage overall. This, it, it I think, is the best movie of these three. And for my own little personal counter, this does feature cars exploding from from gunfire. I love and that. It also has rolling gunfire. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna revisit these movies and see which of these movies has those as well. I did love rolling. Yeah, the rolling gunfire. Um, okay, so we're gonna go to our next movie now. And again, we're gonna go in order of um, release. So that's going to be uh, Randy taking the reins here with his movie Showdown in Little Tokyo. For over 400 years, they've developed their own mysterious traditions. For over 400 years, they've had a strict code of honor and unparalleled standards of respect. For over 400 years, they have terrorized the streets of Japan. Now, they want to control the city of Los Angeles. All right, Showdown in Little Tokyo. It's a movie that had a core memory for me as a child, and it drove me nuts for a long time because I couldn't remember what it was from until pretty fairly recently I saw the movie and realized that's the movie. That's the scene that I remember seeing as a child and could never place the movie. But it has. It was released in 1991, starring Dolph Lundgren, Brandon Lee, and I'm going to read you the synopsis on the back of the box here. A warrior and a wise guy. They're Los Angeles cops who mix punches with punchlines and knock down, gun down, showdown in Little Tokyo. Dolph Lundgren is the muscle, an American samurai seeped in Eastern traditions. Brandon Lee is a valley dude, quipster with a lot of fight in him. Together they hang tough in a war with the lurid L.A. underworld of Japanese drug lords. As directed by Mark L. Lester, Commando, 
that combat is a frenzied comic book movie to the explosive life. How this dynamic duo takes on and flattens all comers makes for smart, fast-moving martial arts action adventure. A class act. Kevin Thompson, Los Angeles Times. It is rated R for strong violence, language, sensuality, and drug use. <laughs> um, I don't know why it is not rated R for nudity, because there is a lot of nudity in this movie. There is. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, this movie was... It's almost like a short film to me. Like, it's barely scratches 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it is full of great action, and it does have some some pretty funny performances, whether it's whether it's Brandon Lee, who just, I don't know, something about the delivery of his lines just gets me. So matter-of-fact, and so I'm new to acting. <laughs> or the villain, who we I pretty much just refer to him as Shang Tsung. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see. This movie Kari had a budget. Hayuki Tagawa. Yeah, he yeah. plays Yoshida. Yeah, yeah, that's the name. Yep. Movie had a budget of an estimated eight million dollars. It only brought in two million two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, but it's become a somewhat of a cult classic. Uh, it does have a great performance from. I don't know if I'd say it's a great performance, but it has a performance from Tia Carrera, who yeah. I grew up knowing as the girl from Wayne's World. All that said, as silly as this movie is, I did find it rather entertaining all the way around. How about you guys? Yeah, um, I I loved it. I I couldn't love it anymore. I I love the acting in it. I I actually really like Brandon Lee's acting. This is my I've seen now every almost every movie that Brandon Lee's ever done, and this is my I think this is his best acted role. Even better than to me, even better than um, The Crow, though he's great in The Crow. I just think that, like, I don't know, he, he has this aw shucks attitude all the time. Really which, does. which kind of, I guess if I was going through this and I saw Dolph Lundgren doing the things he was doing throughout the movie, I'd be like, yeah, I'm probably going to be fine because this guy is like a superhero. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have to disagree. Be, uh, well, I love Brandon Lee, but I would say, you know, like his other noble movie, bef- I think before this was Rapid, Rapid Fire, Fire, which was kind of a cool movie, but. This, like his acting wasn't great in this, but it was also worse because the script is awful. Yeah, right. So that's the trouble: is he's this rookie cop, he's kind of a doofus, but he's also willing to do anything and everything for Dolph Lundgren because he's like he just started his career and he's doing everything he shouldn't be doing. But I would say, as far as performances for Brandon Lee, like I'd have to say that Crow was probably his, his best. Unfortunately, his last. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it probably it definitely is. I, I, I feel I like a lot movie. of this movie was just trimmed down. I, I think that they just got to the editing room and they're like, "What is this scene? Is this for character development?" It doesn't need to be that out. long though. Like the, the the thought, I mean, excuse me, the plot is pretty thin, which is fine. Yeah. But it's right. also like the the the, the run length does it all the favors it needs. It's only like 80 minutes at best. That includes exactly. credits and everything. It's like, like you said, mm-hmm. hour 10, hour 15 tops, mm-hmm. but it's perfect that length. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, like I said, it just completely skips character development. They're, they get together. Oh, they don't like it. I'm not good with partners. And then all of a sudden they're, they're cool with each other, even though they haven't really spoke to each other much. They just watched the guy snap his own neck pretty much. Bobby, what, uh, I know you had some funds for this because I don't know if I introduced it to you or if you just happened to see it or if you saw it before, I don't, I don't recall. <clears throat> Yeah, I saw this movie when I was like eight or nine. Pop showed it, or Pop had it on the TV. I watched it, which is, I... I don't even remember that. Yeah, probably not the best movie for like a nine-year-old to watch, but I mean, as a nine-year-old boy, why the hell not? It's got blood, nudity, all this crazy stuff. 
So I absolutely love this movie. I have the DVD of this, too. I remember actually going to Circuit City with my dad specifically to look for this DVD. (laughs) And I bought it. And then it's I I love everything about this movie. It is so silly, so ridiculous. And I actually did like Brandon Lee in here because there's something about the way he carried himself is that he knew how silly it was yeah yeah he, just, it's very yeah, tongue-in-cheek I, I, i'm not saying i disliked him i yeah. just mean that it was clearly bad acting but it fit the movie i, I oh, think his matter of fact delivery kind of cracks me up yeah so he, many times him doing i think he was doing the best he could because i think he probably knew this movie was just silly but it's also something to add to your toolkit right because yeah he's still a pretty early actor at this point yeah he's just looking for work one of the things that i really wanted them to explore and they didn't do it in this movie is the idea so the, kind of from the plot that randy said the idea that brandon lee was jap half japanese raised in america and then dolph lundgren was american but he was raised in japan and um you know and then so dolph lundgren kind of culturally appropriates all of japanese culture into his life and brandon lee was like, I don't want any of this. I hate all of it. I'm totally American. And I really like that dynamic. And I, I wanted them to explore that more. It sounds silly as like an action no, movie. No, you're right, though. And that, that kind of goes with what Randy was saying, where like maybe some of it was cut out because this movie could have been longer to, you know, to kind of add more character development to those two. Yeah, because that was cool. That was a cool idea. Yeah. yeah to answer that, actually, um, some of the production notes on it is that the movie was cut like crazy mm-hmm. by the studio. So movies typically aren't 70 minutes long. Let's no. Just- no, it's, I was surprised how short it was when I rewatched it. Yeah, yeah, even back in those days, you had to re- reach a certain threshold to actually be released theatrically, which I think I got a really small release. But they cut out a lot. That line, the famous one, I'm sure we'll get to it. Yeah, some yeah. Point, we got to talk about yeah. that. They actually, the reason why it's just kind of awkward and weird is because they trimmed a piece of that out. And you can tell <laughs> when you watch, yeah, because like three quarters into the sentence, they cut away from him to finish the line or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to um, talk about that. Yeah. So, cause the director said that like there was more to it and he, they just, they cut out a lot of the actual movie. Yeah. Whether it would have made it any better, who knows? Cause at its heart, the movie is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but totally a product of its time. Mm-hmm. I love every bit of it. It was so ridiculously violent. And then like the part where like they're filming him with like, the girl with like the the meth and all oh, that, he's like yeah. slices her head off yeah, too. Yeah, that was crazy. And it was like, geez, it was like, and then like they smashed a guy with like the car smasher thing yeah, too. Yeah, that was crazy. And I was like, this is an awfully it's, just like yeah. he was full on Shang Tsung. Like he was Yoshida was full on Shang Tsung. This movie was full oh, yeah. Shang Tsung. Yeah, he was a complete sadist, just overly Psycho. violent. Yeah. And and so to counter that, like as crazy out there as the villain is, Dolph Lundgren's character, I cannot recall. A movie that tried so hard to make sure that you knew that this character is a badass. Within moments of this movie starting, he literally jumps over like he's Kobe Bryant over to an oncoming car in the middle of the street. And <laughs> yeah, it doesn't go down from there. Uh, my opinion on that, because the guy who directed this actually directed Commando. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I think it. I feel like Commando. They tried to sell Schwarzenegger the same exact way. Yeah. Like, isn't he like carrying a log in the beginning of Commando or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. And uh, his name is like John Matrix or something like that. John Matrix. Maybe he was yeah. carrying that log to go build his own cabin because yeah. they totally referenced Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, I built this. Yeah. It had major like, Commando vibes the yeah. whole time. Yeah. So to me, I just I, that's that's what I recalled when it's like, uh, who who did they try to make just as badass as this? Oh, John Matrix. Yeah. It's like, oh, he he carries tree trunks by himself. And that's what kind of makes the movie not as good is that there's 
only it's like that 300 trope where it's just like the hero's badass then he's badass then he's badass then he's badass and that's it like there's yeah. no character art there's no development there's nothing that happens that there's no real stakes yeah there is uh there is stunt nudity for tia carrera which is you know that's pretty great well let's dial that back further <laughs> because the whole thing is he saves tia carrera from being kidnapped by oh, uh, by best, yoshida right the best line so so let's yeah. just get this straight because dolph Lundgren is, a, is an officer right so he's he's you know, he has certain things he has to uphold to, including the law, and yet yes. he's supposed to protect this woman. And this woman's been through a lot, you know, a very traumatic experience. She saw her friend, you know, basically get uh, assaulted and her head cut off. Yep. Dolph Lundgren takes it upon himself to sleep with her just because, even though he's supposed to be protecting her. And this, he fell in love, man. He, he fell love, in love. The heart wants what yeah. it wants. I don't know what the saying is: love, love in a, in a in lightning or something like that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. No, but. it's not. It's not love. It's thank you for saving my life, sex. Yeah, but but then that leads it's to the to the sex. scene that we have to talk about, which leads to sort of the end of the movie, <laughs> where. Well, do we want to go back? Is there anything we want to talk about before? Well, this? I, I definitely want to talk about like when he when he does rescue her, he takes her back to his cabin and he gives her that shotgun. And, yeah, you know, he touches teaches her that you know just point and pull and then what you're pointing at is going to fall down yeah and then it's like shoot anything that moves and like what if i see you and he's like you'll never hear me coming yeah and then <laughs> that'll be important in a moment yeah yeah and then um you know eventually they do consummate their love in a beautifully rendered sex scene it's so <laughs> ridiculous it's you know what's ridiculous tasteful and short yeah it's it's yeah, extremely sure. short sure. even for a sex scene in the 80s it's extremely short it's like 15 seconds long and then uh after he fall after she falls over from this passionate love making he t- she turns to him and goes uh, i heard you coming th- that time <laughs> Just the best line in the movie. The most. It made me laugh so hard because you're like, is this is this a comedy? Is that did I accidentally not realize? Well, it's like you said though, because the scene starts and before you know it, it's over, and then they lay that line on you, and you're like, what did I just what? Like you could of all the things they could have cut. Yeah. That could have been cut. At least we know that. I don't I, know. I don't think you can cut that line. There's well, no, one. they shouldn't. In hindsight, they couldn't have. But if I was making a movie and like I have you know 30 minutes of content to cut, yeah. I, I don't know how that would have prioritized over the other stuff. So, some of the lines that Brandon Lee had, though, in reference to you know seeing Dolph and... <laughs> What, what did he say about his uh, his uh, unit? Well, because like, so so to the, set up that scene, yeah, you know? Yoshida's henchmen have found the cabin that they're hiding out in, and as uh, Brandon says, there there's more guys than we have bullets. Yes, and, and then I believe the line verbatim is something like, uh, "You know, we may not live through this, but I just have to let you know that you've got a huge dick." No, okay. no, no. Let's let's make no, it. No, so yeah. the actual line is, "You have the biggest dick I've ever seen on Excuse a man." Me. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Which Excuse implies me. that there's a woman. That yes. Seen even like there's a lot. Okay, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on here. One biggest dick I've ever seen on a man implies that he's seen bigger dicks on other people. Another non man. Uh, yeah, which is great. Like you know, cis het men. He's seen you know <laughs> that's the biggest dick, but he's really progressive. And you know, I was, he's like I've probably seen trans and non-binary people with bigger dicks than you, which is really progressive for an early night. 90s movie for him to say that <laughs> to uh, to take the uh, air out of the balloon on this one i guess uh so they cut that his original line was you have the biggest dick i've ever seen on a white man <laughs> that's incredible that's even better so that worked way better yeah. and I, don't, I don't know why they cut it because cutting it made it sound awkward 
But if you watch it, you can tell they cut away right where they cut the audio. How much money do you think Dolph said you could take out of my contract as long as Brandon Lee says this line? And they probably paid him more for it. No, I would say if I was Dolph, I'd be like, "Hey, knock a thousand dollars off," but my lead co uh, like co actor has to say how big of a dick I have. And then it's it's also because. You know, Brandon Lee's apparently been watching them do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the other part. He's seen him naked enough. <laughs> How to, like, would you have seen that? I mean, you know, it's like Dolph Lundgren at this point is like he's he's fully vitamined out, right? Like he's got yeah. an incredible body and everything. And yeah. I guess just Brandon Lee's out in the corner sitting there watching this unfold. He saw no, he saw him in the in the hot tub. Oh, was it the hot tub? Before okay. the sex scene, so he's so, chilling okay. in the so hot tub. So he wasn't just a voyeur there. And there's there's another line about the, the hot tub, like, you know, something about her being scared. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. of course, I saw you in the hot tub. Again. I would it, be scared, too. It was too. something like yeah. that. I'd be scared, too. Again, referring to his impressive unit. Yeah. And the, that, the other parts that are crazy about that is thinking about he's about to die. Like, and he's in his mind. He's like, I'm going to die. I'm not going to make this through. There's one thing left I have to say. I have to get this mm-hmm. off my chest before I die. Like, what? Every every other thing running through your mind, that's the one thing you want to say? <laughs> He's going to say, like, hey, you got my back, or what are we covering? Yeah. You know, where we, what's our plan? It's just... Or just thank you for being such a good friend. Like, I, I've grown so much through this partnership. I would never thought we'd be here. You know, I'm, I'm proud to die with you. No. It, no. <laughs> it's incredible, because that scene has persisted, right? Like, that's, that's If anything, if you haven't seen this movie in 20 years, somehow you remember that freaking line, because it's so stupid and just out there. Dolph Lundgren's response is also great because he just goes, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so complimented. Yeah, yeah. He's confident. It's not the he's, first time he's heard he's it. He's got this nice smile on his face. He's definitely a little bit like embarrassed, but like in a good way. And he's like, thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah. That thanks, man. So I good. love you too. It's cool. Yeah. We're about to die, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say probably the most famous line from this movie, though, is definitely. Oh. Also from Brandon Lee. Yes, yeah, it's also from Brandon Lee. Like I said, he had some lines in here and his delivery was hilarious. Yeah. And this time he's telling Tatsu from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. And he's telling him, you have the right to remain dead. Yeah, after he, and that's that a great right line. right there, that whole scene was my core memory as a kid. I distinctly remember being very young and seeing this on TV at home. And being like, what movie was that where the guy got kicked into, I guess it was acid, and then... You know, they throw in the lighter in and he blows up. And I just thought that I basically hallucinated this. It's just a, a made-up memory from my childhood so, until I finally discovered that it was in this movie and it was just like a burden was lifted off my shoulder. Were those Was that beer in those vats or was it alcohol? What was I, in no, those I vats? it was chemicals for methamphetamines. Yeah, they was were. Was it? For, they had, for yeah. their ice. Yeah, they were like they were trying to smuggle the drugs. I think through the alcohol. Okay, or like I that. couldn't figure out what they were because I was like, okay, it couldn't be acid. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> one thing that confused me is that they were using these this beer label to to smuggle their drugs and and okay, was there is is that a real beer at all? Do they have actual beer? They'd be like, oh no, officer, this is clearly beer right here because it just seemed like they were just putting in their their ice as they called it in the little rocks into the the beer bottles. And I, I wasn't really confused on if they even had like a cover operation of actual beer or if like literally any cop was going to see that label and know, OK, you have a, like thousands of dollars worth of drugs in that bottle right now. Yeah, I'm almost certain they didn't think that deeply about this. I don't think so either. I just love that. Like he could have he, he didn't have to kill him in that scene. He's already going to probably drown in drugs. But even it, like but no, he has to flick the lighter into the barrel to blow him up for no reason. Did, did they? I don't think they arrested a single person. Oh no, they, right? no, like, they, they didn't they, do any police these work. cops murder. No, they, did. <laughs> they did, but then that single person oh, he got himself. arrested. He literally broke his own neck. Yeah, he killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and okay. I'm wondering, is that even, can you do that? Yeah. Like the, the chief's reaction was just, oh, damn it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah another, another one. one. Again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, okay, but that's not the most ridiculous Well, death. we have to get to the titular showdown. Oh, it's titular, not the most ridiculous to death. The titular it's the most showdown. famous line. Yeah. The, the, the final showdown between Dolph In Little Tokyo and Chang Sung is just some of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Watching this fight scene unfold and the way it ends. It's a solid fight, too. It is. It's a good fight. It, and it's just so funny that all of Little Tokyo just kind of comes out of their homes and is just watching this as well, if they're invested a, in their own personal festival. There's a, Yeah, there's a whole parade going on about this. Yeah. Ah. There's like a, yeah, it's like a, I don't know, Japanese festival going on like at Japanese the same time. News, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's a Japanese year. I don't think so either. <laughs> it could have been like the Feast of Lanterns or whatever. Let's, keep, <laughs> let's, let's stay on track. Yeah. <laughs> but... Then they have the final showdown. He's about to get revenge. By the way, we didn't even mention it. The the lead villain actually murdered Dolph Lundgren's parents while he was like there like, as like, a little he saw boy. It he yeah. saw a boy. He was a boy. He saw it happen, and he took Shang Tsung's own sword. I'm sorry, I just keep calling him Shang Tsung, but it's yeah. easy. For it's me. Yoshida. 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 There we go. And he's the one that gives him that scar that he has in the movie. So that's how he recognizes that it's him between the scar and the tattoo. So now he's on like a quest for actual vengeance, not just mere police duty. And so they have a sword fight showdown, and then finally Dolph gets the upper hand. He throws the sword like it's a javelin, just impales impales him. Yoshida just sends him flying onto a conveniently placed like gigantic target of Dart, some sort. Dartboard, yeah. It's like a big <laughs> well, dartboard. I think dartboard. they put the bo- it's like yeah. a spinning thing yeah, where they put balloons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could throw knives that pop the balloons. And, and then somehow that causes a uh, fire. Which turns fireworks. on. Yeah, well, I know a fire that's, I mean, obviously a fire is to start to hit the fuse. And then all of a sudden we got fireworks and he is spinning and it's the most outlandish death I've ever seen. He catches I, on fire at one point too. I felt <laughs> like the, you know, the writers were like, what do we do here? And they looked at their board and they just set everything. Yeah, they're like. Everything that you've suggested, let's put it in. There's no room for a sequel. Yoshida is completely obliterated into pieces. <laughs> yeah. there's, a bl- uh, there's Yoshida shit all over the place. Yeah. And then the best part is the parade doesn't stop. Like, no. everyone's just hanging out having a good time. <laughs> all right, back to the parade, guys. Yeah, like, like y- Yoshida jerk. just exploded in a, in a, you know, in a fireball mm-hmm. and like everyone's just like, well, he's good. He's dead. Great. Let's yeah. commence with the parade. Yeah, now we can actually get to the parade. Like one less criminal on the streets. Let's yeah. celebrate. Yeah. And Dolph Lundgren is just like shirtless beaten up walking <laughs> With down like the parade. With like a cut down his, yeah, <laughs> his torso. And he is vitamined out in this movie. Yeah, Dolph he's got Lundgren. those 80, 80s vitamins. That, and, and just Jesus Christ. like ripped, shredded. It's crazy. Yeah, like, he's a huge person too. Like he's six yeah. foot four, five. He's, yeah, a, he's, he's huge. Four. He makes Brandon look like a little kid next to him. And, yeah. and Brandon's like a pretty big dude too. And he's... It well. works though, because the thing is, like, this almost feels like a made-for-TV movie, but yeah. you know, it, it feels like it could have been like a TV show, yeah. you know, it's like on USA. Like, <laughs> it's almost like Batman and Robin. Like, yeah, like, Brandon's basically Robin to Dolph Lundgren's Batman, except like Robin turned to Batman and told him how big his dick was at yeah. some point. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the torture scene too. Yeah, that looks like something out of like an Adam West Batman. <laughs> yeah, wait, does, is it? Uh... They're they're like uh, they're strapped to these uh, these like beds. <laughs> yes, right. yes. They're, like, yeah, these vertical, just like uh, like slabs of metal, and they're getting electrocuted. Yeah, they're getting electrocuted yeah, with like, with right. like acupuncture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think, uh, of course, Dolph Lundgren. He just he 
Punch he, he, he rips the damn thing off. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Probably with his giant dick. <laughs> yeah. he, like lassoed it. He's a dick. Yeah. There, there is a, a lot to like about this movie. Um, you know, even though it's it's pretty, it's got some awful moments in it. Oh, the thing yeah. is, it's so short that who cares? Just go ahead and, and enjoy the moments that are good. It's so dumb and good for how short it is. Yeah. If it was like a two-hour movie, there's no way. But it, at an hour 20, it's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's not it's long great. enough for you to not like it is basically what it is. Like, you don't have enough time to hate it. <laughs> it's so over the top. That's things like, yeah, there's not enough time for you to get bored because yeah. it's over before it's, it's yeah, done. They, yeah. They've literally, and, yeah. like, they cut anything that could have possibly bored you, but also might have explained things. I'm sorry. I have to add the best part, my favorite, because I haven't seen this movie in, like, 15, 20, 15, 20 years. Yeah. The best part, the beginning, the nice little old lady with that restaurant shop or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Destroys the whole goddamn shop. <laughs> yeah. And, like, they have, the criminals are coming in like, oh, you got to pay us. And he destroys everything. <laughs> yeah. And throws them through the window. Everything's just, just demolished. I'm like, and then just walk out. Just like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm like, wait a minute. You just <laughs> yeah. destroyed this. Yeah, this is Lady's shop. And then, the like. The collateral damage is pretty high in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's insane. It was like a bull in the china shop quite yeah. literally at that point. <laughs> and then, again, for my action cliche counter, we do have the hero. You... Causing a car to explode from gunfire for <laughs> yeah. cover, and we also have rolling gunfire. I believe it was was yep. it from Brandon Lee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, they got those cliches covered. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that is Showdown in Little Tokyo. Uh, with that, we're gonna go to our last movie recommendation uh, for our customer today, and that is going to be Don's movie Suburban Commando. When it comes to intergalactic confrontation, no one can beat Chef Ramsay. Excellent work, Ramsay. What's next? Why don't you try relaxing? But now, he's about to land in a place even he isn't prepared for. Suburbia. Get to know the locals. Blend in. How do you know which ones are the right ones? You have to squeeze it a bit. Wow, I found a good one. Go ahead, Don. So as I am excited to talk about Suburban Commando here, <laughs> I am I'm going to give you some back-of-the-box summary here that is actually probably longer and more verbose than it should be for a movie like this. <laughs> it's Hulk Hogan at the end. <laughs> That's what it could have just said that. I would have just loved it yeah. anyway. So as we begin here, Hulkamania sweeps the universe. Hulk Hogan, star of Rocky Three and No Holds Barred, wrestling superstar and international folk hero. I don't know what that means. Yeah, What? <laughs> Leads Christopher Lloyd, Back to the Future 1, 2, 3, Star Trek 2, Mr. Mom, The Adams Family. They really wanted to get his whole career in there. And Shelley Duvall, Popeye, and Roxanne on a hilarious and high-spirited action comedy adventure. The Hulkster is Shep Ramsey, a valiant galactic warrior temporarily stranded on Earth living with a mild-mannered architect and his wife and two children. Shep's efforts to adapt to suburban life are hilariously unsuccessful and relations with the neighbors soon reach crisis proportion. <laughs> That's what it says, crisis proportion. Crisis proportion. <laughs> but when his evil nemesis from across the universe tracks him to his backyard bungalow, Shep needs all the help from Earthlings he can get, even from his bumbling landlord, Christopher Lloyd. Featuring fantastic special effects and a commanding and inspired... <laughs> Oh and the God. commanding and inspired comic presence of Hulk Hogan, the nonstop laughter and action will delight families from any planet. <laughs> what movie did they watch? Did they get a movie that we didn't see? Well, this movie, so to give background here, so this movie is just absolutely insane. It's The general gist here is that Hulk Hogan is Ship Ramsey. Uh, for those who weren't, who didn't catch it in the movie, he is a, uh, he is a 
Space Warrior, a Niplin First Class Pounder of the Secret Strike Force 119 under Xanic Vivian's Supreme Doctorate of Rule Vita 9. That's right. Irrelevant for the whole movie. Yeah, they, they bring it up one time and yeah. they don't even really expand on it. So, <laughs> so to give context about Hulk Hogan, all of us here, I, I'm, I'm certain, were Hulkamaniacs when we were young, right? Like all of us, we grew up on Hulk Hogan, like Hulkamaniacs. Yeah, absolutely. Was That's top, why he's right? a folk hero. hero. He's a folk yeah. hero. He with, commanded with the, the folk presence. movement of Hulkamania. Yeah. yeah, so at this point, Hulk Hogan had a few movies. Uh, he had uh, <laughs> no... He had No Holds Barred, which came out two years before. Yeah. Uh, that had a budget of $8 million and it had a box office of $60 million, so it was profitable. Uh, Suburban Commando, not so <laughs> successful. It had a bigger budget, $11 million, but only earned $8 million. Oof. After this, he had Mr. Nanny in 93 with a budget of $10 million and a box office of, of $4.3 million. And then in 93, <laughs> uh, Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain. This was the Hulkster's one of his uh, movies before going to WCW. There, I couldn't find a budget, but it earned a whole $375,802. What's this? This is all to give context to the fact that the, uh, Hulk Hogan is not a very good actor and doesn't make very good movies. No. No, you don't say. And he was terrible. And he was <laughs> terrible in this movie. So <laughs> yeah. this movie, Ship Ramsey, he is an intergalactic, you know, interstellar warrior. Uh, he's, <laughs> in the beginning of the movie, he's out to rescue a president of a planet by, um, his name is President Hashina, yep. I think is, it was called. And uh, he's on this on this ship that's equivalent of like the Star Destroyer. It looks almost exactly they, like the Star Destroyer. They rip off the first shot in New Hope. Yeah, like, like shot for shot. The Star Destroyer is literally coasting through the top of the screen. Uh, and Shep is there to rescue the president and ends up getting the president killed. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> he's like, job well done. Yeah. So then when he uh, he's, he's escaping the, um, the Star Destroyer, essentially we'll call it, and then his uh, chef's boss tells him, "Oh God, that could have that could went better, couldn't have? Like you let the president die. Like I think you're stressed. So he sends Ship on a vacation. And in the midst of being told he should go on a vacation, Ship kind of damages his uh, his console, mm-hmm. and he crash lands on Earth. <laughs> and now the hijinks ensue, where Shep must repair his ship to get back, you know, into space and doing his sort of bounty hunting. Yeah. But he can't rep- he can't do it for three weeks because he damages console so much." That he has to fix it. So now... He basically has to take a vacation. I thought, I thought that they had to charge it very slowly or something. Well, he's yeah. charging. To avoid suspicion. Exactly. Because anything else would send up a signal to the, all the bounty yeah. hunters that would be looking for him. He exactly. He has to take a vacation while it charges. Yeah. Like so what he, his commander's if, doing. Exactly. Like, said, like if, if it's... There's a point where it becomes like a beacon and then, you know, the, uh, the bounty hunters will come to find him. So Shep has to acclimate to Earth life, which means all of a sudden he has to... Go around and like find an apartment to rent. He's he's this is a literal fish out of water almost. Like he's you know an interstellar warrior on Earth who's just not used to what Earthlings do. Yeah. And then you're introduced to Christopher Lloyd, who's this bumbling idiot kind of architect. He's kind of a doofus, and he's one of those brilliant types who doesn't you know doesn't have a backbone at all. Yeah, that's like his that's his main character development is that he doesn't have a backbone to start the movie. Yeah, and he's Christopher Lloyd, and then his boss is. Um, What's his name here? It's Larry Miller, which you know him in like a ton of things. He always oh, plays yeah. like Ten this. Ten things I hate about you. Yeah, and uh, he was in Nutty Professor, which I watched yep. after this, which was funny. But he always plays that sort of neurotic, you know, boss who's like who's kind of skeevy, kind of a jerk. Yeah, he, he's really well cast for this kind he, of character. Perfect. He's in Best in Show kind of did the same thing. That's you know? right. Yeah. yeah. So, so this story is about Shep having to get you know back to his planet, and also it's uh, about Charlie, who's Christopher Lloyd, trying to find himself and get a backbone. Mm-hmm. And throughout the movie, they show just how much of of, of a clown charlie is like there's this recurring joke where he's at a stoplight that you know quickly goes from green to red and <laughs> and every time he what it, road is that yeah it's it, it goes green 
And then he'll stop in the middle of the street if it turns red midway through, and then yeah. he'll back up. He'll go <laughs> it's like, reverse. what are you doing? <laughs> no Which one is, does this. It's the most dangerous thing you can yeah, imagine, right? It's like, way less dangerous to just go forward. Yeah. Uh, so then the whole story revolves around Charlie and his family, and then um, like Hulk Hogan just he does all this, all these sort of uh, comedic things. Yeah, like, like misadventures he has. Misadventures. Yeah. That's a great word for it. Yeah. So there's like a scene where, you know. Uh, Hogan, once he rents out the family thing, like it's him acclimating and not being a prick to people, right? Like he's trying to learn to be more accepting of people and like Mm -hmm. be nice and not so judgmental in the beginning. Yeah. So it's like Charlie's family tries to, you know, get him more involved with like family activities. Like they bake him a cake, you know, they try and include him in family activities and everything. And Ship, yeah, they have a dinner with him. (laughs) And Ship is just there just trying to, you know, bide his time until he can leave. But then there's scenes like, you know, uh, there's this Camaro that hauls ass down the street. They're <laughs> yeah, like a persistent a problem, scene. right? And then Ship chases after this Camaro on foot. He's going after the, the Camaro to teach him a lesson because he almost hit Charlie's son, who's played by uh, Michael Faustino. Yep. Who we know as David Faustino's brother, who was Bud Bundy on Married with Children. Yep. Uh, and then there's a, a scene where Hulk Hogan <laughs> topples the Camaro on its top, <laughs> yeah. right? And he spins it. Yeah. And to me, it's like, this movie also is, it's a thing where it's like, it tries to show how awesome Hulk Hogan is and how big he is. Cause he, he's really huge, obviously. But it's like, you know, like that's his feet of strength. Like I remember a few strings of my uncles would be like, he could peel an orange without a knife, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and here I'm seeing Hulk Hogan topple, right. topple a Z28 to yeah. spin it, to teach some clown teenagers a lesson about speeding through the neighborhood, you that's know? So, funny. Uh, so eventually, you know, the, the whole movie plays out and we eventually get to a point where uh, Charlie gets into Shep's ship because he suspects that, you know, Shep is up to no good. And he's trying to figure out who he is because, you know, Charlie doesn't know that Shep is basically an alien. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie takes uh, Shep's equipment when he's not there. Like he puts on the suits and all this thing. And that sends up a beacon to the bounty hunters that are being sent by the uh, the villain <laughs> to right. basically go sh- seek out Shep. Uh, the... The two bounty hunters are played by uh, Mark Calloway, who yeah, we all know Undertaker. as The Undertaker. <laughs> and the other one, um, his name was Tony Longo. Uh, and uh, I found that both of these guys have names, which I didn't realize as a kid. Their names are Hutch, which is The Undertaker. Oh. And the other one is Knuckles. Ah, oh, did Tony they ever Longo's say their Knuckles. names in the movie? Uh, I think they mentioned it once. I, fr- I don't recall how I caught it this time. I just huh. made sure to make a note of it on there. Um, and then, so it ends up being that uh, these crystals that Shep needs for a ship that can actually boost the, the recharge speed instantly. Those exact cr- crystals just happen to be in um, Charlie's boss's office. That's right. Uh, I believe they're called Ceridian, Cla- or Ceridian Crystal or something like that. Uh, so there's this big showdown with um, Shep and them in the, in, in the, you know, the business building. And then eventually like, you know, he, he kills the bounty hunters in a zany way. Like the undertaker, you know, like he goes through a wall and there's like an outline of him, like yeah. this, you know, it's Looney so Tunes stupid. outline on him. Um, and then there's this big showdown uh, at the um, the skating rink, the dance parlor where Shep's ship is being kept. Yep. And the uh, the villain turns into like this predator boss, right? And then he ends up um, killing him by grabbing him by the balls, which is a great scene. I don't know why why that's his weak spot. <laughs> yeah. As it is on anything. As it is on anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Shep, uh, at the end of the movie, he ends up taking the bounty hunter's ship because his ship is destroyed. It was a self-destruct. Yep. And then Shep leaves and lives happily ever after. Um, for me, this movie, I have a lot of farmers because I remember renting this at Blockbuster at the time. No. Uh, we were all Hulkamaniacs at, at back then. And like uh, we watched No Holds Barred. I was a big fan of that. And then Suburban Commando came out. Christopher Lloyd was in it, who was like, you know, we were a huge fan of, of him at, at our house. Yeah. And uh, this movie, I loved it as a kid. I understand why people don't like it now. <laughs> 
but it's still one of my favorite movies. I'm curious what your brother thinks because <clears throat> he had the same tag along as he you. Did. So he did. Really I'm curious did. what you think about it. Well, I loved it as a kid. And I don't understand why people would not like it now. <laughs> I, I hate this movie. <laughs> I don't. Huh? I don't whatsoever. I find the whole thing hilarious. Uh, Hulk Hogan, yeah, he's not a great actor, but God he's damn, he's terrible. He's, he's got, not he's like yeah, yeah but not he's, a great actor would be quite the compliment. Yeah, but, <laughs> but but he's got such a presence, and he's just so damn entertaining. The, the the whole movie was just funny to me. Every little bit about it, and like. The fact that it's got the Undertaker, and then like the reveal is that they speak, they have little kid voices. Yeah, little yeah. kid like voices. You're a dead man, yeah. Ramsey. You're a dead man, Ramsey. No wonder they don't speak. Yeah, yeah. and then um, you know, just Hulk Hogan going through, uh, just like trying to acclimate to what humans do, like with the old lady with the the grapefruit or whatever. The oh yeah, the yeah. There you go. and like he like squeezes it to see if it's good, just blows up everywhere. Yeah. So to me, everything about this movie is just hilarious, and it still is, and I, I cannot fathom. Like how how could someone not like this movie? It's just so good. Well, and Randy, I, you saw it. When I you saw were it in kid theaters. Too. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yes, wow, that's awesome. Theaters. I'm pretty sure I saw No Holds Barred in theaters too. Wow, nice. I, I I got to go to the movies at quite a young age, like because my grandma either liked to go or my parents would take me. Um, so as a kid, like I mean, I love this. It's Hulk Hogan, it you know, and he's doing all this hilarious stuff. Like yeah, he's a terrible actor, but there are a few lines that he delivers in this that make you laugh. I mean yes, they they do make you laugh in the so bad it's good kind of way. And so as a kid, you know, I love it. Undertaker's there, Hulk Hogan's there. It's a sci-fi, you know, comedy, and I love sci- science fiction. And then as an adult, going back and and watching it again, I realized that um, well. Kids are really stupid because this movie was so bad. I felt borderline miserable watching it, and but just taking some, you know, solace and and these performances. Like honestly, Christopher Lloyd's good in it. He's great. Um, he's probably the best. Him yeah, and Larry Miller is, are probably the yeah, two best. Larry in Miller that. was yeah. great in it because yeah. um, he's you know he, that's the perfect character for him. Christopher Lloyd's good. Um, I thought it was funny that. Um, Gosh, why am I blanking on her name right now? Shelly Shel- Shel- Duvall. Shel- Duvall. Like, uh, the, her character was so weird. Yeah, sex like, crazy maniac. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She was trying to be all sexy, and I, I'm just like, this is not what I normally expect to see yeah. Shelly Duvall. Yeah. You know, the being, she's wearing like this negligee thing, trying to woo Charlie yeah. after he's out, out of work, and he's there stressed and everything. So I never saw this movie as a kid, because I was not a Hulkamaniac. I didn't, it's funny because I didn't start watching wrestling until like 96, but I'm probably the biggest wrestling fan out of all of us now. Um, but I never saw this as a kid. So I only saw, the first time I saw it was a couple weeks ago when we decided we were going to watch this movie for our podcast. And I I could not believe how bad Hulk Hogan was doing as an actor. It was crazy. And it made me, you know, one of the things it made me think of is like, uh, is, is Christopher Foley doing well in this movie or is he just like a normal actor and because he's next to Hulk Hogan the whole time I think he's like a brilliant actor in this movie because he's just he's acting and Hulk Hogan I don't know what Hulk Hogan is doing but he's not doing what I thought he would be doing it's weird because like some of the things he says and how he delivers it like it just sounds like that like it doesn't sound like it's not like they gave him 10 different directions and they picked one of the cuts from one of the, the feelings he was given because yeah. sometimes like they'll cut to him and he says something so abruptly and it ends. It almost sounds like he's not in the same room filming it, you know? Yeah. It's so, and the way he responds to them seems so unnatural too. Like, so like not how a human being would respond to things like that. There's some really funny recurring jokes, like the uh, the thing with the mime where that was so funny. <laughs> did, that was the one part I genuinely did like. 
there's this yeah there's a scene where this mime he's just it's and it's it's weird because the mime's out in the middle of the night like shep at this point is like trying to sneak out and this mime's like doing his, his mime gimmick in the middle of the street on the sidewalk and then uh hulk hogan and shep goes up to yeah. him and he thinks he's being bound by some force field he was being so force field. he punches right through this force field but he punches the mime out yeah that was that was great and he's like trying to help him up a wall because yeah. he's trying to climb up a wall and he like throws him up like two stories yeah, so I, funny. I try to look at it as a. I mean, I guess I'm pretty sure most could argue Hulk Hogan might not be the uh, the best wrestler out there, but he's just fun as hell to watch. That's how I always view all of his movies. So anything I see him in, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's Hulk Hogan. It's good. My favorite scene in the movie that uh, not my favorite scene, but the scene that I think absolutely illustrates him the best um, as an actor is the scene where he's trying to get his ship. It's the very beginning. And he's trying to get his ship to go into like hyperdrive and he keeps mashing the keys when he, all he needs to do is like flick a button. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he like that was my favorite scene. Cause it's like, Oh, this is him. This is who he is as a person. Like he just has to destroy things. Cause that's the only thing he knows how to do. Yeah, I, I imagine there was probably a whole lot of, uh, that doesn't work for me, brother throughout the production. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was so with that? The only other scene that I think is my favorite scene in the whole movie is when so Christopher Lloyd has these neighbors who have uh, like dragster cars that are always parked in front of Christopher Lloyd's driveway, so he can't even go into his driveway because these cars are parked there. So Hulk um, Chip tries to Chet Chip. Chip? Shep. 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 Oh, like Larry and Moe and Chris. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Shemp. Um, okay, so Shep. No M. Yeah. I can help you with the Pam Pam thing. Yeah. So Shep like uh, pulls one of the dragsters and like pulls it out of the way so he can get into his driveway. And then all of these big kind of burly looking um, neighbor guys covered in grease like come They're over. They're just dirty neighbors. And you think, okay, this is going to be like a fight scene between him and like five dudes. It's probably comical. He's going to throw them all over the place. And uh, the neighbor goes, do you know what we're going to do to you? and Hogan goes on this long diatribe about all the ridiculous things he's gonna drag him across the gravel and do all of these things and the the neighbor looks at him and goes no it's the 90s we're just gonna sue you yeah. and that that was legitimately funny like that was a really fun I was not expecting it at all and it was so because you think it's just gonna be a setup to a normal action movie scene and it's so funny and off the cuff and like so relatable to the 90s that it really did make me it actually made me laugh there was very few scenes that made me laugh in that movie but that made me laugh well and that scene feels like it was made for like a trailer moment right like if they had a trailer for the movie that feels like it would be in there yeah. it, it was was it yes I owned um, a VHS I don't know what it was mm. but plenty of times i've seen that suburban commando trailer growing up and that's exactly the scene that always stuck out to me was it's the 90s we're gonna sue you yeah yeah and there's a i think one of the worst jokes in this movie though for me is uh it, it also like dates it incredibly well like it's when ramsey's tying his shoe and then he's saying it's his convertible car and the car is talking to him because it has a car alarm. Right? Oh, yeah. And it's so stupid because the thing is just like, it's almost like having a conversation with Ramsey, but not. So then Ramsey just reaches into the center console because it's convertible, which kind of defeats the purpose of having. And it's also in the worst part of town, apparently. And Shep takes it out, starts bashing it, throwing it in the ground, stomps on it. And then the freaking alarm says, oh, Lord, I've fallen and can't get up. Yeah. It like starts pleading with him, it's, right? Like, yeah. hey, can't we talk about this? Like, hey, hey. It's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. That's early Skynet. It was, it was, it was self-aware what was going <laughs> yeah. on. So, yeah, this this movie, like, it does not make much sense whatsoever. Yeah, but like, how was, how was uh, Shep planning to pay rent? Oh, I know. The, does I even think about that? Like, yeah, like, what did he? How did he they was a short-term him? tenant? Did they check his yeah. credit. No background check. He didn't exist technically. Yeah, yeah he so wasn't. If some six-foot-six man just shows up 
you know, holding your flyer well, saying that people are scared of there? from just like, seeing him. To be fair, this was the early nineties. We're used to now where it's like you need like ten thousand dollars to move into an apartment and yeah. like background check, you know, your blood sample. Like back then it could just been like a handshake and yeah, well, you'll pay me when you can, you know. Like, yeah. Did he pay him in did he pay him in, you know, the saving them from danger that he brought to the family? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> he was protection, yeah. yeah. Yeah, except he brought all the danger to them. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like he's paying them in protection from that. Yeah. But, I mean he did make their life going forward way easier. He dealt it, with the bad neighbors, the annoying yeah. teenagers speeding. So I mean mm-hmm. hey, he but thought he didn't put down a security deposit. That's all I'm <laughs> no. trying to say. Yeah. He was a security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other lines or scenes that you guys loved? Uh, there was a scene in the drive-thru, too, where they're like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Bo- yeah, the bounty hunters. Yeah, I forgot I forgot exactly how it went, but I forgot. They were, I don't think they were looking for food, were they? They were just... They were just trying to, to find Ramsey. Yeah. yeah, so and then like they ended up just shooting the, the whatever, like, yeah. like, display or whatever. Yeah. And then, it's, it's like a surf bro burger place, and the guy's like, hey, bro, you want a burger? What do you got? And then like uh, Undertaker shoots it. And the best part is they're, they're in a convertible, but it says just married. Yeah. So yeah. like, And he's like, oh, you guys are just married? That's so cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I also, it's like, where did they get the car? Did they murder the people who just got <laughs> yeah, married? he just murdered a couple, a new, newlywed couple. Yeah, I, I think the fact that, just the fact that it's the Undertaker makes it way funnier. Yeah. yeah. Because he just got a scowl the whole time. Like, it works because he didn't really talk, you know, when he was in WWF, so it's even better. One one thing that always stuck out to me was that scene after Christopher Lloyd discovers the ship, wears Ramsey's stuff and apparently leaves behind his... One of his weapons, and the, those criminals that he stopped end up using those uh, weapons to try and rob a bank. And yeah, frozen everybody. Yeah, and that's then they turn heard and scenes. they blast Ramsey with their they're like what's basically like nitrogen or or not because they don't kill them; they just freeze them like the Mister Freeze. And, uh, and then they cut away, and Hogan's still standing there, and he's chugging. And he says, Antifreeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this neon green liquid yeah. that he's just drinking while he's getting blasted with it. Yeah. And I, the part that's funny of that, too, is that after that, when he's trying to thaw out Christopher Lloyd, so he has him just standing yeah. up the car. <laughs> through the dri- sunroof. Yeah, through the sunroof while they're driving down the road, yeah. and he's just frozen. He's, like, bobbing back and forth, yeah. isn't he? And he, like, yeah. and he like shoves him out of the way. Yeah. Then, yeah, he keeps, like, getting in his way, and he has to keep pushing him out of the way while he's it's driving. it's great because he thaws, and he just has, like, this worst headache, but he has no idea what just happened to him. Dude, it's so funny. And then it just occurred to me, but like the one of the recurring things to show that Christopher Lloyd has no spine is him constantly slamming on the brakes to not make this particular stop. Oh, we talked about that. Yeah. Oh, did, yeah, yeah. But did you get a good look at that? Did did that stoplight serve any purpose whatsoever? I didn't, it didn't get even it. No, it was, like a, there was, it was a long road. It lasted ten it seconds. It was like a straight road that just <laughs> yeah. decides to. S- have a stoplight about a hundred feet after another stoplight. Yeah, and it, it was like ten seconds that would go by for that green light to red. So it's like, how can anybody? They're all revving their engines. <laughs> like, yeah. Why is this here? And, and why would he back up when everyone's still going? Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It's like it's it's insanely illegal. Like I think the general rule is like if you're just going through a red, like you don't just back go. up. Yeah, yeah, just go. But then he finally gets his comeuppance, and they they tie the loose end at the end of the movie where uh, I guess he was he took Shep's gun, like that was his parting gift. Yeah. And then he, he that's how he paid for rent. Yeah, it's how he paid for rent, and then he just. Just stops in the middle of the street after it's turned red, goes through a sunroof, and shoots the traffic light out. And then yeah. all of a sudden, everyone who's behind the red light starts cheering him, like, Yeah, Charlie, you you saved us from the red light here. Now we just blast right through. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But there didn't seem to be an intersection, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, that. it just looked like a long road. Just, I don't know what yeah, it was there. Exactly. It was there just to piss people off. They really were like, We need to get this joke in here. Let's just, where can we put it? How about this long, straight road? Yeah. All right. Anything else to say about. Uh... Our really good movie, um, Suburban Commando. Uh, I, I love this movie still. I don't. Uh, 
I, again, I know it's not great at all, but for me, it's, you know, it, it tickles the nostalgia fancy. Reminds me of being a kid. It has a few few laughs, like the the whole "That's not my cat." Yeah, <laughs> that's not my cat. In in terms of the, oh, I guess it, it, it'd be too easy. But in terms of the Hulk Hogan movie tier list, where would you put this? Oh, God, second because we have like. Bard. Yeah, I was gonna no. say that. They, get, be it, right? they get worse every time. For They're me, all bad. It's not a good one. There's not even like a kind of one that I can be like, oh, I like this Rocky more. Three, but it's not a Hulk Hogan. Yeah, movie. but he's yeah, not the he's star. Like, he's good a, that's a cameo. He's, not, he's not the star. Yeah, and he's pretty good in it at least. Oh, yeah, he was know. good in Rocky Three. He because he was playing. I'm gonna say Three Ninjas, High Noon, and Mega Mountain were number one. Yeah, I'm sure that's a great choice. Mr. Nanny's number one for me. This is number two. Oh, Mr. Nanny. Yeah, really? I'll give him that. Even over No Holds Barred. I didn't like No Holds Barred. Really? Other than I like Gucci. the. Yeah, I think that. So I think, I think No Holds Barred is probably a worse movie, but that's also closely. It's more closely tied to wrestling, which is why I yeah. think I enjoy it more, right? Because it's Hogan being Hogan, but it's also this. That was the it, product of him and Vince McMahon in a three-day itself, cocaine binge. It takes itself way more seriously. It does, and, and it does. that's kind of what's funny to me about it is yeah. how earnest it's trying to be. Uh, yeah, I give. Suburban Commando, seven thumbs down. I'm gonna be honest, I hated this movie. Well, also, one thing I want to point out too, just in case you you know you weren't sure what you wanted to go see in yeah. October '91, if you, yeah. you know Suburban Commando might have been your best choice. What else was out was uh, the Super, which is a uh, <laughs> it's a it's a Joe Pesci movie that I've never seen before. Yeah, where he plays like a superintendent. There's a uh, Cool as Ice with Vanilla Ice. Oh yeah. Ernest Scared Stupid. Great movie. Good horror movie. And perhaps the biggest movie out of the bunch, House Party Two. Nice, good movie too. Out of those. I think, I don't know, it might be Ernest Scared Stupid over Suburban Commando, maybe. Yeah, and I saw both of those. Those are the two that I saw in theaters. Well, that was, so, that was your yeah. double feature? That's well, I did not. It was a double feature oh. I saw at the time, but I did see both of them in theaters. I see. So before we have our customer decide on which film he'll be taking home today, uh, we're going to do just a quick like final pitch why anyone should see this movie, specifically why our customers should, but why should anyone see the movie that you have? Why should anybody see this movie? So I'm going to go first, obviously, since we did it in that order. So um, we'll go ahead and do... Um, for Double Impact. The reason why anyone should see the Double Impact is for double the Van Damage. You get to see two Van Dams kicking butt in a way that like you wouldn't be able to see with just one Van Dam. It has also a ridiculous sex scene, so even if you don't see Showdown in Little Tokyo, you won't be, you'll have a ridiculous sex scene to watch. Uh, it also has crazy lines, and it doesn't have Hulk Hogan. So if you <laughs> watch any movie, i say Double Impact, Double the Van Damage. Well, you, Randy. All right, Bob. So if you have to pick one movie to take home and rewatch, because I know you've seen all of these, uh, it absolutely has to be Showdown in Little Tokyo. Because one reason and one reason only, it's short. You don't have to worry <laughs> about like all the time you'd be wasting watching Double the Van Damage. If you wanted to watch Van Damme, just pick Lionheart up. And then, and also, this again does not have Hulk Hogan, but it does have <laughs> Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Scott Lee and Tia no, Carrera. It does not have Scott, Brandon Scott. Oh, Lee. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, what am I saying? That's that's the dude who played his dad in the Dragon the Bruce Lee <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Lee. Lee. You You're trying to treat? Yeah, he's throwing in extra characters into this movie. Also has Jason Scott Lee. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, my he was bad. He's 15 years old. Oh, and right. it does have Tia Carrera stunt nudity. He's, he stuck the landing. Okay, <laughs> let's go. All right, so, Don, why should anybody, and the customer as well, but why should anybody pick up uh, Suburban Well, I'll, I'll start with what this does have that the others don't, and that is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> 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 this also has Christopher Lloyd. And for me, if you're looking for just an hour and a half 
uh, you know, family comedy movie, you know, pretty not great, but some, you feel like you want to scratch that itch. I think Saroon Commando is, is right there. Like, there's a lot of goofiness. There's a lot of dumb stuff in here. But there's also some funny gags in here. It's just overshadowed by, you know, how bad Hulk Hogan is as, as an actor. But I think Christopher Lloyd really makes this whole movie not bad. Also, Larry Miller. He does a fantastic job. Yeah, he's good in there. Yeah. All right, then, our customer, Bob. Of the three movies, which one would you recommend? Which one are you taking home today? Uh, from our recommendations, uh, it's going to be Showdown in Little Tokyo, and in, uh, in my opinion, it is not long enough. <laughs> I would agree. This, this movie could have been an hour yeah, longer, it, it and I'd be could happy. Could have been. I'm yeah. not going to debate that, I, but it's not. And so I therefore, it's not going to be a waste of your time like Suburban Commando is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if if the lengths of Double Impact and Showdown were swapped, I think I'd like that a lot more. Yeah, and I would even even recommend Double Impact. I think Showdown in Little Tokyo has some of the most ridiculously fun scenes you'll see in any movie. Well, and yeah. I would say Double Impact's worth watching if anything, just to see two Van Dams on the screen at once, right? Yeah. Because it's that a was a trap. Yeah, that was a big <laughs> thing back then, like to have two of the same actors on the screen at once that they could film like it it's nothing now because they could do it cg all day but back then like so two van damme's was different so why why uh double i'm uh, sorry double bit i really wanted to get that one why, why showdown in little tokyo uh the whole thing was just so ridiculously fun and i've always loved dolph lundgren because he was built like an action figure yeah. yes he is so like all the silly ridiculous things he's doing somehow it's just believable where it's like eh, yeah i guess so and it's, it's so just absurdly just dumb and like he doesn't get reprimanded for anything at all guy Never. snaps his neck oh damn it yeah and it's like destroys that little old lady's like restaurant and it's like oh, whatever yeah, and then yeah. like jumps over a car insurance yeah uh, sleeps with like a the a witness he was supposed to protect <laughs> yeah like all these is crazy things and you have brandon lee just kind of there like you can tell he's just like yeah this is stupid but whatever yeah so the whole thing was just so fun like everything you could probably want is just in it just ridiculously violent yeah. loaded with nudity this, the whole movie was just such a product of its time. Like you don't see any nonsense like this anymore. Yeah, yeah. None but, of none of these movies are, are very family friendly, and I say well, that that's in not true. Of, Suburban no, Commando is. I super would fun. not want anyone's family to watch Suburban Commando. <laughs> I, don't, I was going to say your family might hate you if you get like, to watch exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. don't don't go there. Get out, Dad. Why yeah. would you do this? I actually tried to play Suburban Commando for one of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. They got like see? they got like fifteen minutes in. It was like, like, they're they're like, do we have to watch this? And now they'll never forgive you. It probably, yeah. yeah. So I tried, but it didn't work. I was gonna warn you ahead of time. I'm sorry you already had to go through that. All right. Oh no, I'm I'm uh I'm of the firm stubborn belief that these are all fantastic movies. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. I love them. And yeah, I think uh one thing you touched on is so true is that like if you want a snapshot of the a snapshot of the early nineties, all of these three movies are great little early snapshots of that of that era. There are far worse movies too. Oh yeah, they're, they're not Action great, but they're not. They're worse. Ah, there's not a lot of yeah, them. I don't know about Suburban Commando. I, I said you could do there's far worse. I didn't say it's, you know. Yeah. yeah, but you don't forget any of these movies though. That's true. They're so ridiculous that it, they're still popular because of how ridiculous I they wish are. I if had. I was not a, a Hulkamaniac and a wrestling fan as a kid, I would have completely you're right. forgot about. Like I said, I never right. saw it. If, <laughs> if you have no affinity for wrestling, like there's really you're gonna hate this movie no matter what. All right, well, we're curious to see what you think about each one of these movies. If there's which one out of the three you as a listener like the most, please let us know. Please let us know which one you think is the best. You can drop comments in on our social medias. Please let us know which movie you think overall was the best one that you could uh, of the three. Uh, with that, any final remarks for these movies, guys? The hanging out, while, you know, anything in general? Uh, if, if there's nothing else, just want to remind you, coming soon, you got to tune in and listen to us. We're going to discuss some of our guilty pleasures, which sounds redundant after talking about these movies. 
yes, like Randy said, please check out our other podcasts all on your local podcast network, Apple, Spotify, anything you anywhere you get podcasts, you can find ours. And uh, please look out for new stuff in the future, like our Guilty Pleasure podcast. For the Hollywood Video Guys, I am Mike. Donnie. And Randy. And we will see you guys at the counter very soon.